nothing. They really are in bad, bad shape. The Democrats, what are they going to do? Run on Joe Biden's record? Run on Joe Biden? Run on the world is a safer place, that America is somehow better off than it was four years ago? Everybody knows that none of that stuff is not true. And now Democrats really, really have nothing because they know all the arrests, the indictments, all that stuff, right? Well, it didn't work. I mean, they're still absorbing what has taken place over the past week and a half or so, right? Iowa, 51% for Donald Trump. New Hampshire, 50, what was it, 54%, double-digit victory, okay? Now, you may have heard this little factoid that nobody has done this since Gerald Ford in 1976. He was actually president. He had him an elected president. He became president because Nixon resigned and he was the vice president. But he wasn't under indictment, <laughs> okay? He hadn't been arrested in the previous couple of months, and Donald Trump was. So you know what it is? A miracle. I've always said that Donald Trump could win, but it would be something of a miracle. I also pointed out that miracles have a way of following this man around, and we're seeing it. All right, so what else is there to say about last night that hasn't been said? I noticed this. When Donald Trump is on the stage, when it is his moment after a hard-fought victory, he makes it our moment. He actually shares the spotlight. Nobody else does this. I'd like you to say a few words about the border and who's going to solve that problem and how quick are we going to do it, Tom? Go ahead, please. I said, Vivek, go up and say a few words about it. Vivek, one minute or less. Go do it, Vivek. Do you want to say something? Come on, come on. I want him to say something. Well, he's not a politician, and politicians don't do this. They don't, after all the money, after running, after all the names on the posters, let it be about somebody else. And he doesn't. And he watches them speak, and he soaks it in, and he's okay with that because it's the opposite of what the fake news tells us about Donald Trump, right? Again and again, narcissist, uh, what is his problem? Uh, uh, oh, 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 yeah, he lacks self-esteem. Have you ever heard them say this? Life can never, ever give him what he wants, his insecurity being so profoundly deep and, and permanent. Trump's deep insecurity, of course, is one of his many off-putting qualities. And you had Trump, who was as insecure a person as Kelly had ever seen. Talk about an insecurity. Uh, this is not what real men need to do. No. Talk about a lie. Talk about mythology. You want to see insecurity? politicians. When it's their turn, they don't share with anybody. And I don't care who you're talking about. Obama, no matter what he won, for example, Iowa, just him. Hillary in New Hampshire, just her. Uh, Mitt Romney throughout his life, especially Arizona, just him and every other race. And Nikki Haley last night, just her. This made an impression on me first. And you could say this is a little thing. I think it's a big thing. And this, this raises a lot of questions. In 2016, Donald Trump wins the presidency, right? Shocks the world. And it was the same old Donald Trump. He didn't seem at all kind of blown away or awe-stricken. And he shared the spotlight. Reince is really a star. 
and he is the hardest working guy. And in a certain way, I did this. Reince, come up here. Where is Reince? Get over here, Reince. Boy, oh boy, oh boy. It's about time you did this, Reince. Huh? My guy. Well, say a few words. Ah, oh, come here. Say something. Ladies and gentlemen, the next president of the United States, Donald Trump. Thank you. It's been an honor. God bless. Thank God. Amazing guy. Beautiful moment. President-elect Trump thanking a guy who helped make it happen. What's wrong with that? Well, according to the fake news, everything. There will be a reckoning for the fake news someday. I mean, it's already happened for us, but they'll have to answer for this. May happen a century from now, may happen in November, but the fake news, you know, the New York Times, they ignored, they ignored the Holocaust. We all saw what just happened. I want to show you a guy named Mark Leibovich, okay? He, uh, he wrote for the Times for a while. He writes books, writes magazines, and the fake news thinks that this guy is a truth teller. Well, he wrote a book about Trump and about what we just saw that night. You want to see his summary? He actually put this in a book, and it was published. Total lies. Trump ordered Priebus up to the microphone. Reince shook his head, but Trump insisted, and Priebus did as he was told. This was classic Trump, a bizarre, spontaneous gesture that catted the added benefit of debasing someone. After Priebus arrived at the lectern, Trump added a final humiliating touch and made him speak. Say a few words, Reince. Priebus's eyes bulged as Trump shoved him to the microphone. Ladies and gentlemen, the next president of the United States, Priebus managed to say. Thank you. It's been an honor, he added. His words were mildly slurred, understandable given what Reince had been through. Priebus coughed out a few garbled God blesses and thank gods before fleeing the mic as if it were in flames. Now that's like, that's Harry Potter kind of fantasy stuff right there. Leibovich, remember that name. They write books, they report for the Times, they lie on television all the time. It is amazing, and I wonder why they do what they do. I mean, didn't they go into journalism to tell the truth? I guess not, I guess not. All right, now this. New Hampshire is first in the nation. It is not the last in the nation. This race is far from over. There are dozens of states left to go. And the next one is my sweet state of South Carolina. Not only is she phony, the people in the crowd are phony. Woo! Nobody's excited, for real. Maybe Nikki is because she senses more opportunity. The situation is this. Nikki is not so sweet, all right? Not so sweet, and she's in for, I don't know what she's in for. Maybe she's in for more money. She's done well so far. The word is, when she left the United Nations, she was worth about $100,000. More recently, she's worth about $8 million. And that job at the United Nations it's pretty much phony, in a way, phony. I know that from her boss, Mike Pompeo. 
the former Secretary of State who briefly ran for president. There they are in, I want to say happier times, but Nikki does not look happy. As U.N. ambassador, she reported to Mike Pompeo, the Secretary of State. I got his book today. I downloaded it and uh, looked for Nikki Haley in the index, and sure enough, she's in there. A lot. Want to see what he thinks about her? Well, while she spun her exit well in the press, Haley flat out threw in the towel after two years at the U.N. as the U.N. ambassador to the United Nations, a job that is far less important than people think. She has described her role as going toe-to-toe -to -toe with tyrants. If true, then why would she quit such an important job at such an important time with at least two years to go? She abandoned the governorship of the great people of South Carolina for this important role and quit it after just months on the job? Was it simply to join Boeing's board of directors, or did she leave to protect her reputation from the inevitable so-called Trump taint the media inevitably slaps on people? Whatever the reason, her decision to quit after such a short time did not evince a commitment to team over self. And then there was this. Uh, she was scheming for a bigger job in the Trump administration and lying to people about it. According to the Secretary of State, she insisted that she needed to see the president about a personal matter and that it had nothing to do with her work at the United Nations or for the State Department. It turns out she had not gone in for a personal matter, but rather had entered the Oval Office presenting a possible Haley for vice president option. Clearly, this visit did not reflect a team effort, but undermined our work for America. I may have my differences with Mike Pompeo, but I think he took America's national security very, very seriously, and she wasn't helping. I think people should know about that, especially in South Carolina. And they should know about this in South Carolina and beyond. You know, Nikki has written a couple of books. She's younger than me. She's already written three books about herself. Okay, <laughs> whatever. Uh, can't is not an option. This time I got the audiobook version, and she reads it herself about the town and state she grew up in. Over time, that town, Bamberg, adopted us as its own. It was a place where I saw firsthand neighbors helping neighbors. I saw the power and the goodness of people doing for one another in good times and bad. Bamberg was a town of faith, values, and patriotism, a town that supported and comforted us when my brother was deployed and fought in the Persian Gulf War. Bless your heart. Uh, what was it really like, Nikki? We were the only Indian family in our small southern town. I was teased every day for being brown. So anyone that wants to question it can go back and look at what I've said on how hard it was to grow up in the deep south as a brown girl. Okay, didn't happen every day like she said. Yeah, it happened, but I don't know. I think there's something disconnected from reality about her. Also in the book, she talks about, guess what? She advanced ahead of her class from the second grade to the third grade. I could see talking about graduating from college at 14 or something like that, but to the second grade to the third grade, whatever. That's what I say about Nikki Haley 
whatever. And we'll be right back. But early on, I thought this was the heartbeat of America. California, with its vibrancy, led this country. And then all of a sudden, a one party started to take over. There was only one voice in California. And this vibrant state became a murmur. As a conservative moderate, I thought it was time to stand up. Time to stand up against career politicians. Time to step up against those who have created policies. That's Steve Garvey. Steve Garvey, the baseball player. I remember growing up on the Dodgers. Great guy. Um, charismatic. He was acting in movies, doing all kinds of stuff when he was a player. And then he did uh, some things in the 90s. I kind of lost track of him. And now he's running for the United States Senate. And I'm telling you, look, the odds are kind of stacked against him in California. He is running as a Republican. But something kind of magical happened on Monday night when they had the, um, the big debate. They have a system over there where Republicans and Democrats, you have to be in the you debate together. And I thought he was magnificent compared to those career politicians. Adam Schiff. Adam Schiff is one of the guys he's running against. A couple of Congress uh, members as well. And there was something just so real and authentic about, not him, but Steve Garvey. Uh, not as polished as the other guys, but real. That are, we're out of time. Putting this state he, But just real quickly, quick the question was, is there anything that you disagree with your party on in the Senate? Is there? Just about everything. Just about everything? <laughs> no. I, you know, I'm common sense. I'm compassionate. I'm consensus building. And I think we need to get back to that in California. We can't only talk about okay. it in, in Washington. We have to start doing something about it. And I think my leadership, based on years of building teams and championships, okay. businesses, will make that difference. In the middle of the debate, he said that he voted for Donald Trump twice. And he said the country was better off, the world was better off uh, with Trump in office. And boy, they went bananas about that, really trying to exclude him from eligibility because he was with Trump. As for the other guys, well, liberals, I mean, just listen to him. Here's Adam Schiff when he's not talking about Russia, <laughs> when he's not talking about, it's just lame. He forgot how to get things done. There's a lot more that we need to do. We need to build hundreds of thousands of units of affordable housing, and I have a plan to do exactly that by dramatically expanding the low-income tax credit. We need to go after prices at the pump with a windfall profits tax on oil companies. Uh, we need to uh, bring down food prices by enforcing antitrust laws against these grocery store mergers. There's so much that we can do. There's so much we can do. I, I take it back. He's never been about getting anything done. A low-income tax credit for housing. Uh, they were talking about that in the 1960s. All right. Back to our uh, my favorite here, Steve Garvey. Let's go with uh, SOT 7, please. When was the last time any of you, any of you went to the, the inner city, actually walked up to the homeless, as I have over these last three weeks? have gone to San Diego and Los Angeles and Sacramento. And actually, because this is part of, you know I'm not a politician, but I needed to talk to the people of the city. I needed to talk to the homeless, went up to them, 
and touched them and listened to them. And you know what? They looked at me and they said, you're the first time anybody's come up and asked us about our life. The homeless man who spent five years on the street in Sacramento. They don't get it. When I go back to the Senate, a year from now, when I'm your next elected U.S. Senator from California, the first thing I'll do is an audit. Where have the $30 billion the federal government has spent? Oh, the political press, they're rolling their eyes. What an amateur. He doesn't know what he's talking about. What are his He was great. He was great. I thought that the other guys there would be like, I was at the uh, homeless encampment last week. I thought they didn't say that because they couldn't say that because they haven't done it. They're talking about their 15-point plan, this, that, and the other thing. All right. Two more things. The questioners, right? The very first question they asked this guy, he's new on the political scene. Um, you think they have an agenda here? Take a look. You talk a lot about being a member of team sports in the past. Of course, the Senate is sort of set up like a team sport. There's the Republican caucus and the Democratic caucus. You want to join the Republican caucus. I'm wondering if there's anything that the Republican caucus... The very first question out of the gate for Steve Garvey in the first statewide debate. Something the Senate did that you disagree with. Senate Republicans did. He wisely sidestepped it and talked, introduced himself. And then this is the best, Adam Schiff. Adam Schiff in this exchange is going to do most of the talking, but don't worry. The quality of the talking is what counts, okay? Adam Schiff, you know what he put us through, right? Adam Schiff versus Steve Garvey. Decision would be dangerous. Mr. Mr. Garvey, your yes, rebuttal. I think you've been censored for lying. You I was censured for mouth. standing up to and a corrupt president. And this is exactly what I'm talking about. The same corrupt president. Mr. Garvey's Garvey's turn. Let him go. Or trying to determine who we are by race or by color or by gender. They never listen. They have prearranged words to say. And by the way, I would not vote for a federal ban on abortion. Let's make that clear right now. Thank you, Mr. Garvey. All right. We're going we're gonna, gonna, to insist on answering. All right. just called a liar by Mr. Garvey. Okay. 30 Mr. seconds. Mr. Garvey, I was censured for standing up to a corrupt president. And you know something? I would do it all over again. Because that corrupt president, that president who's been indicted with 94 felony, 91 felony counts, that president that you won't refuse to support, yeah, he's a danger, and I will stand up to him and Kevin McCarthy and Jim Jordan and any of those MAGA enablers of his in the Congress. The reason why our democracy is in trouble is because folks don't have the courage to stand up when they need to. Okay, thank you very much. Sir, we're going to keep. We're going to keep. We're going to keep let moving. Me, let me just heap that. Both my name. <laughs> All right, R real quick, sir. You lied to 300 million people. You can't take that back. Okay, we're going to keep moving. We'll be right back. Hey, it's Tony Marino, host of the wildly popular Newsmax Daily podcast, available for free along with Jerry Callahan, Rob Carson, and other great podcasts at Newsmax.com slash listen or wherever you get podcasts. You see Carrie Lake at the podium there. She was born for public service and politics. Just an amazing candidate. 
she almost won the governorship. A lot of us, uh, a lot of people out there think she actually did win, but that's another discussion. She's running for the United States Senate right now, and it looks like very powerful people do not want her in politics. You heard about this conversation that uh, was recorded between her and the state party chair of Arizona some time ago. Listen to this. There are very powerful people that want to keep you out. I know they do. But they're willing to put their money where their mouth is in a big way. So, this conversation never happened. Is there a number at which... I can be bought. <laughs> That's what it's about. You can take a pause for a couple of years. No. And go right back to what you're doing. Mm-mm. No. Big fat no. How much money did you turn down, uh, Carrie Lake, as we look at Jeff DeWitt, who just resigned as the state party chair not too long ago. Carrie, welcome back. How are you? What a conversation you had. Yeah, it, it really did shake me. Um, and after I had that conversation, which happened 11 months ago, Greg, I was very busy when that conversation happened. And I later that evening got on a plane and was heading out to Washington, D.C. I'd been invited by CPAC to do a keynote speech. And the whole way out, I was just mulling that over in my mind. And I thought, I have to tell people what happened, even though in that conversation, he said several times, now don't tell anybody about this. You can't tell anybody this is happening. Please don't tell anybody this is happening. And I told everybody on stage for 11 months, I've been talking about this and the mainstream media hasn't really asked me any questions about it. And what we have here is a corrupt individual. I'm glad he's resigned. We are at a moment in our history, Greg, where we got to root these people out. We can't have corrupt people running our government, running our companies, running our, uh, whether it be local, state, federal government. It's disgusting. President Trump calls it the swamp, and I think the swamp is much bigger than just Washington, D.C. By the way, I don't think he's affiliated with NASA. He happens to be standing in front of uh, the National Air and Space Administration for some reason. A couple of things. Who do you think he's talking about, our friends out east? Who is that? Oh, boy. I thought about that, and I came up with a lot of different ideas on who it could be. And you know what's scary about that? You could sit and think about that for 24 hours straight, and you could probably come up with a list of about 400 people and entities. That's how corrupt and deep the swamp is. I don't know who it is. I really don't. I mean, you heard me talking about um, Trump versus DeSantis. This was 11 months ago when that whole machine was kind of being worked up to try to take down Trump. And now we know that uh, nobody's going to take down Trump. And so I, I don't know. I wish I did. I wish he would answer. Who was it? Who sent him to my house? Who sent him over to my house? Who He called me five minutes. He said, I'm right outside your house. I'm on my way over. And I have something I got to talk to you about the Senate race. I can't do it in person. I, I, ha- I can't do it on the phone. I have to do it in person. We can't have it over the okay. phone. And that was a pretty scary kind of thought. When somebody says, I can't talk to you over the phone, I have to do it in person. That kind of raises your, uh, you know, the hair on your arms a little bit, right? Let me ask you this. Is he, who's the villain here? Is it the guys out east or is it him? He's running the state party, you know, uh, according to him. They just didn't want you or he didn't want you to run maybe this cycle. Um, so he's the messenger. Are the villains yep. or it, are the villains the guys who sent him? Or, and he's a villain as well. I'm trying to like, you know, he just put out a big statement. You know, right. I'm all for Trump. <laughs> this was taken out of context. I, I thought no, Carrie not. was no, a friend not. and all that stuff. He wasn't a friend. He's not all for Trump. 
he uses that line and he's not. He was in the DeSantis camp. There's other recordings of him. This is a guy who says so many stupid things that people record him. And he's, you know, he says publicly he's for Trump, but he was in the DeSantis camp. And so, uh, you know, you can't believe what comes out of his mouth, unfortunately. And I don't I don't think anybody who speaks that way is an honorable person. I'm sorry. You know, he says we're friends. I don't, you know, Greg, I, I consider you a friend. I have hundreds and thousands of friends. I would never ever talk to somebody this way. He put me in a horrible position and thank God I'm ethical and I would never ever agree to something like that. But who, what kind of a friend would come into your home and pitch you for taking a bribe? I told him I wouldn't take a million dollars, 10 million, 20 million or a billion dollars because we're on the verge of losing our country and I'm not motivated by money. I'm motivated by my children's future and that they have a future. And we all got to get on board with that. This country has gone so corrupt right now. We need to stand up and say we're not going to be motivated by the number of zeros we have behind our account in uh, you know, our bank account. We have to be motivated by what are we doing to save our country? I'm, I'm, I'm horrified that he thinks this is OK. This is not OK. And anybody who speaks to people this way and throws this kind of stuff out there uh, is just frankly unethical. I don't know who the bad guy is. I, I used to think it was the people who sent him to my house. And now I think the messenger has uh, is just as guilty. Why would you even agree to do that? So um, now that he's gone, and by the way, you say in there, this is a hill worth dying on. You know, this is a hill you can't be bought. And I, I thought that was uh, quite a moment and uh, happened in your living room. Now we all know about it. And uh, I think that's pretty awesome. Um, now that this man is gone, um, what is the what is the fallout? Does this benefit your campaign? What what can you get done now? Was he standing in the way of something or is this just to prove a point or what happens next? You know, I recorded this because I was worried. I thought there could be a threat. You know, I get a lot of threats. As a matter of fact, I get email threats. I get online threats all the time. And I thought there could be a threat involved in this. So I need to record this for my safety. And if I have to, re you know, go to police with it. And I never listened to it until just a couple of days ago. And, and I don't know what nudged me to listen to that recording. And my daughter, who's 20, was sitting with me. And I, I, I pressed play. And she was gasping listening to this call. And she said, Mom, what are you going to do about this? And, and I, I wasn't going to do anything about it. And I thought, oh, my gosh, if I don't do something about this kind of behavior, what will my daughter think about me? We have to change the way things are going. There's a reason they don't want Trump in D.C., because he is opposed to the corrupt, disgusting system that is Washington, D.C., that has corrupted our whole country and our government. And D.C. doesn't want me either, according to this uh, this call that, or this uh, conversation I had with Jeff. D.C. doesn't want me either. Frankly, we should only be sending people to Washington, D.C. that D.C. hates. That's who we should be sending. Anybody the media and D.C. hates is who we should be electing because we got to turn this nightmare around. And here you want to represent Arizona, and there are people out east, powerful people out east. One thing uh, that's mentioned in the call really? is uh, they could set you up with some sort of job, put you on the payroll of some of some company. Now, I want to get your opinion on this. I, my sense is that this is yeah, very crude. This is, I don't like it. This is ugly. Something tells me, letter of the law, it's not illegal. Like, it would have been illegal. He said, hey, we want you to go to the Senate. We're going to give you all this money, and we want you to vote yeah. this way. That is by definition, corrupt. This is maybe slimy and unseemly and uh, yeah. all kinds of things, but I don't think anyone's getting arrested, right? 
I, I don't know if it's illegal. Probably not. I mean, look, we're, we're not even living in a system. We're living in the post-justice America right now. I mean, look at Bob Menendez. He's got gold bars sewn into his jacket. And, and they're sitting there acting like that's fine and dandy. We've got Hunter Biden selling his finger paints for half a million dollars. <laughs> what's legal and what's not illegal? I don't, I don't think anything's going to happen with this. But I, I think it's important to show how disturbing this is, how uh, politicians are controlled. They wanted me to step away from politics. I believe it's because I bring people to the ballot box that will also help President Trump. And they don't want President Trump. They're afraid of him. He's going to tear down this corrupt, disgusting system. I'm going to be in Washington, D.C., alongside him working in the Senate. And we are going to restore our government and give it back to we the people as our founding fathers envisioned. Beautiful. Carrie Lake. Go to CarrieLake.com and uh, good luck and be careful. Thank you. It's true, I am an America first, liberty loving Latino. That's why I know this country is worth fighting for. That's why the Chris Salcedo Show will always tell you the truth. The Chris Salcedo Show, for the news you need to know. All right, Joe Biden, just because CNN and your fake news friends said it during the campaign doesn't make it true. And I mean it sincerely. I'm supposedly an expert in foreign policy. I'm now a very major world leader for the past 25 years. What he said is, I'm supposedly a foreign policy expert who knows a bunch of world leaders. Supposedly, uh, you're not. We can all see that. And our status and our safety declining rapidly. I'd like to bring in two of our favorites, Blaine Holt, the retired U.S. Air Force general, as well as Gordon Chang, the authority on all things China. Welcome, gentlemen, to you both. Quite frankly, I have been consumed with uh, New Hampshire and domestic politics, and I've taken my eye off the ball. Gordon, what should we be worried about right now? We should be worried that Joe Biden is president. Full stop. You know, <laughs> he may know all the world leaders, and he's told us many times that he has spent more time with Xi Jinping than any other American. but. During his watch, the world has fallen apart and China has become even more belligerent. And we see that China is actually no longer deterred by the United States by its actions, for instance, in the South China Sea. So, yes, the real problem is that the United States, despite all of its power, is actually opened the door to conflict and is not deterring the bad actors. And terrorists are still holding infant children in those horrible tunnels in Gaza right now, Blaine Holt. Israel, that conflict seems to have fallen off the map somehow, and mm -hmm. uh, everyone has moved on. I'm sorry, that is just not acceptable. No, it is not acceptable, and it just projects more of the weakness that is going to imperil us here at home. So we're still pressuring Netanyahu. What we need to be talking about is what kind of pressure are we putting on Iran? What kind of pressure are we putting on Hamas? When are we going to start talking about uh, a rescue mission of any kind of viability for those hostages? And while we're talking about terrorists, let's talk about all the terror cells, millions of fighting age men that are right here ready to do something to us on order should this thing ex escalate. And we only see one direction, and that is escalation. Why is that? 
Well, you've got uh, the uh, Biden administration that thinks it's a really good idea to ask China to deal with the Yemen problem, not us. They want our Navy to look like it's so feckless that it can't handle a two-bit terror organization with some money and some missiles. Uh, and that, again, projects even more weakness. And so we're going to ask China to do something on our behalf when they're buying oil from the Iranians and they essentially have a military alliance. It's like asking um, the United States to do something about Canada. It's ridiculous. So Joe Biden doesn't convey uh, much confidence, uh, you know, and neither does this Kirby fellow uh, who everybody <laughs> in the fake news, they're in awe that he was in the Navy. I'm not so much in awe that he was in the Navy. It doesn't really matter. But uh, here he is, um, Admiral Kirby. We don't want to see Hamas in charge of Gaza anymore. They chose to violate the ceasefire that was in place. Uh, and we certainly agree with our Israeli counterparts that Whatever the future of post-conflict Gaza looks like, it can't include Hamas leaders. Well, what's he looking around the podium as he's trying to convey messages to the world? I mean, he just seems like a, I don't know, some 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 shy guy. I I, I don't, <laughs> Gordon, that man's a problem. There's something wrong with that kind of image. To say beyond, forget about the substance for a second. Yeah. Well, first of all, um, why would the Biden administration ever think it was a good idea for Hamas to be in charge of Gaza in the first place? And we know that after, for instance, the November 15th summit between Biden and Xi Jinping, Kirby said some things which were basically propagating Chinese um, narratives, um, which were demonstrably, demonstrably false. Um, and this really was disgraceful. It has been one of the most disgraceful episodes that we have ever heard a White House or Security Council um, spokesman make. No, I don't know what to say. Gordon and General, I, I, General, I'm going to go through Gordon's tweets here. They're uh, they're keeping us up at night again. Yikes! Uh, China is not stopping at Taiwan. Xi Jinping has made it clear he has a right to rule America as a colony. Man, oh, man, oh, man. It is time to expel all CCC pet members and Chinese central government officials from America. OK, I like this. They are here Amen. to take down our country and we should not make it easy for them to do so. Um, and then this one, pray that God shows mercy to a world that has lost its way. Well, uh, amen to that. Um, Gordon, I'll get back to you. How do you feel when you read his tweets there, General Holt? <laughs> I'm in lockstep with him. I'm in absolute lockstep with him. And the, the, the sad part here, Greg, is that the Chinese are melting down internally. This should be our greatest time to put the CCP into a box and, and disappear them. Uh, but we're not using any statecraft. In fact, we're just going along with every single thing that they want. And I think that's what Gordon's getting at is if you allow them to eat us up, they're going to do that even on a pair of twos and not much rice left in the country. Uh, the tweets are powerful, and I'm not disputing it, and I'm glad you're putting them out there. Two things, real quick, Gordon. What would happen if we kicked out all the CCC, CCP members out of the U.S.? And um, how could we exploit the problems inside China that uh, the general just mentioned? Well, first of all, we'd be a lot safer if we removed all the Ministry of State Security agents, diplomats, state bank officials, and all the rest, including the saboteurs that the general just referred to. And the way we do this is that China right now is especially even more dependent on exports. They depend on the U.S. market. We cut that off. We cut off investment. We cut off technical cooperation. 
and the good things that the general talks about will inevitably happen. I like Absolutely. it. I like it. Um, hey, one one last thing. Are the Chinese, the guys, the, the immigrants, I don't get the sense that they're as fanatical as, say, Islamic terrorists back in the day and, and, and today. Are they, uh, Gordon and, and, and the general? Then. Um, it doesn't really matter how fanatical they are. What they're doing is they're acting on orders of a militia state, which has the resources and the desire um, to destroy the United States. So, yeah, I agree with you. They're not as fanatical, but it really doesn't matter. Uh, but but general, once they're here, maybe they're like, hey, this place isn't so bad after all. And uh, we're not going to carry out the mission. Nope, that's not true. In fact, I worry more about them. They're not radical. They're professional. And my friend Michael Yan is down there talking to them. They we found 10 to 15 of them here in my state uh, taking target practice with their brand new ARs. Uh, they're very deadly. They have their mission set and they're awaiting orders. Well, as Gordon has told all of us, pray, pray, pray. That's and, right. Uh, there Amen. is power in prayer. Many thanks. Blaine Holt, Gordon Shang to be continued. We'll be right back. So this is Congressman Dean Phillips, Democrat. Have you heard about him? He's running for president uh, against Joe Biden. He's seeking the Democrat nomination. Now, he hates Trump, and I disagree with this guy about all kinds of things. However, however, he has some remarkable insight. And uh, I could learn to like this guy, actually. I don't want him as president, but listen to this. We have a crisis of participation. And I got to tell you guys, I went to a Donald Trump rally a couple nights ago. Never been to one. Uh, I had an event across the street. I saw the line of people waiting in the cold for hours. And I thought, what the heck? You know, I'm going to be a leader who actually invites people, doesn't condemn them. Met probably 50 Trump people waiting in line. Every single one of them, thoughtful, hospitable, friendly. All of them so frustrated that they feel nobody's listening to them but Donald Trump. A diverse crowd, people who had never been to a Trump event before. My party is completely delusional right now. That's just beautiful. I so appreciate that he made the effort. And look at what he discovered. We're not insurrectionists, okay? We're not crazy people. Goodness gracious. Good for him. Dean Phillips. So appreciate it. Really. Good luck to you. We prefer him over Joe Biden, right? All right. So, what else? Who remembers Black Lives Matter in the summer of 2020? A lot of cities were hit, but perhaps uh, Seattle saw it the worst. They set up that chaz. The, uh, they took over. They took over a big chunk of the city. The BLM terrorists took over a chunk of the city. Well, guess what? They're paying the BLM terrorists $10 million. If they were at all hassled or inconvenienced by the police, they get $10 million to split up amongst themselves. City of Seattle just made that settlement, similar to one that was made here in New York City, uh, handing money to the lawbreakers. It really is incredible. Oh, speaking of lawbreakers, Hunter Biden, <laughs> we're learning a little bit more about uh, what's this, uh, the other shady scheme. Yeah, the, the painting, the painting. This is, oh gosh, this is bad. This is so crude, so in your face. A 52-year-old guy suddenly takes up painting. It's a way to get money from rich people who want to influence his father, the president. And we now know this. He made $1.5 million at least, at least, in selling those horrendously bad, stupid paintings. 
Now, we also know that uh, uh, the guy, we got this from, I think, the art gallery owner, and they have made no effort whatsoever to keep Hunter in the blind about who's actually buying this stuff. He knows. The whole art community knows who's buying it. Hunter knows. Joe Biden knows. But the White House said it was going to be that way. This is Jen Psaki. Remember her? Explaining how up and up everything would be. I'd refer you to the gallerist for questions about uh, the event. We've spoken to the specifics what the gallerist has agreed to and what uh, per, what recommendations were made. I've done that several times. I point you to the gallerist on uh, specifics of the restrictions that were put in place. We were very transparent about what recommendations were made to the gallerist, uh, and I would again point you to them or the many times I've spoken about that from here. Stop saying gallerist. I hate and uh, the gallerist. <laughs> says that none of that stuff happened. <laughs> none of what she said was going to happen actually happened. And Hunter is still getting rich. Crazy, 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 crazy. All right, I'm out of time. I'll be right back. You know, everybody's reporting the same stories, the same spin. You turn the channel, it's always the same. But not us. We're different. We report the real news. No spin, just the facts. Turn to us and you won't turn back. Tune in to Rob Schmidt tonight on Newsmax. Hey, I just got a little memo here about Newsmax Plus. Let's see. We launched it in November and we already have 200,000 signups. That's fantastic. 200,000 Americans, just like you and me. Uh, Newsmax Plus, you have to check it out. All the great shows. This show, Rob Schmidt, Greta. Uh, bowling, and, of course, Carl Higby, great, great stuff. Dick Morris, Mike Huckabee, Alan Dershowitz, and the rest. Uh, we told you about that John Voight movie you have to check out and the documentaries. It's all awesome. I do have this, okay? Not just saying that, and you had to get it. They didn't give us it for free. <laughs> so I have Newsmax Plus. you got to get Newsmax Plus. Newsmaxplus.com. Go there to start the process. It's very easy. We would so appreciate it, okay? This is the true content that you deserve. Oh, and I have to say goodnight now. Uh, I'm on my way home to see my wife and two children. <laughs> I don't really remember this moment, uh, possibly because I was out to lunch, out to sleep, out, 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 out cold, I should say. Uh, that's uh, Madeline on the right sitting on me. And uh, that's Annalise on the left, who is about to turn four. The two-year-old is in the sweater. I love them so much. All right, I'll see you all tomorrow.